Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Doctor Script Podcast, where we talk about your favorite movies. What was good, what was bad, and how we can improve upon them. We don't just talk about the problems, we talk about the solutions to the problems. Now, I'm sure you can tell at this point that Taylor's not with us again this week, but don't worry, I'm holding down the fort all right, and I'm holding down the fort with my guest today, Dr. Jalen. Dr. Jalen, how are you feeling? I'm feeling just wonderful today. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't realize we had Academy Award winner Eddie Redmayne in the house with us. Oh, wow. Oh, it it really makes me sad to know that he has an Academy Award right now. He got it at the same time as this movie came out. I mean, he probably deserves it for whatever movie. uh, The Theory of Everything, where he played Stephen Hawking. Uh, he did a good performance. I'm not going to get into the faults of that, but I but I can definitely say that after watching this movie, I I, I I've never wanted a, a rescinding more. <laughs> well, uh, what movie did we watch today, Jalen? Uh, we watched uh, Jupiter Ascending by the Wachowskis. <laughs> now, uh, typically, you know, uh, Taylor and I switch off deciding, you know, who picks what movie. Uh, this was a special request from from you because I, you know. I had I had done one with Sarah a while ago, mm-hmm. and I was like extending the invitation to people that I knew that had strong opinions. And you, the first thing you said is I I need to do Jupiter Ascending, and I want to know exactly why you wanted to do Jupiter Ascending. Um, well, it's just there's just so much going on with Jupiter Ascending. Like I am such an avid lover of sci-fi and fantasy, and it and like the way it explores ideas and everything. And then when I finally watched Jupiter Ascending after like year two years after it came out i was just like this is so bad like and it's so bad in a way that's like it's like it could have been good and there was just so much wrong with it that could have just been tweaked if they just took five more minutes on like anything it was a thing like while we were watching the movie we talked about it like throughout and it's just like hey what if they just did this instead and then did this it's like you know we're not guaranteeing it's going to be perfect but it feels like it's probably better yeah to just do a like a lateral move to something else that they could have done. It looked it seemed pretty obvious. Yeah, it, it was it was so very much so to the point where like you y- you were there for this where it was just like even like when, as we were watching it just like I would personally in my head just think up of a bad idea. And about 50% of the time, maybe mm-hmm. 75% of the time, even when the idea was bad that I thought of, it was still a better idea than what they were doing for Jupiter ascending. <laughs> Uh, we, you know, we'll get into the Wachowskis as a concept later on. Let's just dive straight into the movie itself. Uh, we start off this movie uh, not, you know, in space, simply on Earth with the voice of Mila Kunis talking about her parents' courtship. And their courtship was a guy looks into a telescope into space, a woman looks at him, thinks he's charming, and now she's pregnant. And that's that's that is the natural life cycle of the human being. Maybe in Russia, that might be the natural uh, human cycle because it does take place in uh, Russia for a month yeah. for some reason because they needed the KGB to shoot Mila Kunis's dad. Yeah, so um, basically, Mila Kunis's dad is obsessed with space. He asks the baby to be named Jupiter because of his favorite planet, and then as he's being sweet with his wife. Some rush. It could be the KGB. Could have just been some Russian gangsters. Mm-hmm. Someone breaks into their house. Don't explain it. Shoots him. Takes all their stuff. He dies. Uh, dies weirdly. Um, not neither here nor there. And we cut to Jupiter's mom giving birth to Jupiter on the boat from Russia to America. Uh, which I'm not. Again, I'm not a hundred percent expert on illegal immigration, but. 
you would think that if you land, you know, probably in California, they then go to Chicago to start doing their business. Don't most people, you know, getting off a boat somewhere usually have only have the resources to kind of stay in the area where they are? Um, coming from pers- uh, from an yes. immigrant, which is why I wanted to hear who is from your a, thoughts. Who is a child of immigrants? Um, yeah, well, I don't know why you went all the way to Chicago. For, like, if, if you had to go halfway across the country, like if you if there was this whole thing of like, oh, your family is there and that they can give you a job. Why weren't you on a plane? Like but you should have just been on a plane. <laughs> we, we saw we saw like the entire family on the boat heading over. I don't know, but basically, why, yeah. Why did they go all the way to? Chicago? Then we moved to Chicago, where Jupiter is now an adult woman, where she worked with her mother and her aunt as like house cleaners for all the rich people in Chicago. Uh, and she says out loud, "I hate my life," with with very with amazing affectation, and she really does hate her life that they're showing her like scrubbing toilets mm-hmm. and like she's ogling all the rich people's merchandise and she has like a minor relationship with like one rich person character who just really loves trying on dresses yes for like 30 seconds and then everything goes really weird well, well before we get to that we just cut to a different planet like I know we know the context of the movie from like marketing and stuff was supposed to take place intergalactically. Mm-hmm. But if you just walked into this movie blind and it's just like this guy likes space, she's a Russian immigrant and she's a maid and then you cut to New Planet and Eddie Redmayne and his two siblings, uh Captain Jawline and uh old young woman. An, an old young woman. Uh <laughs> they they stand around and talk about what life was like for their family uh, before times. I don't really know the point of this scene. Yeah, the, the scene was in, entirely pointless. Like, it, it, I think it was one of those scenes where they were just like, we have to add mystery to the whole situation about what's going on. But then they don't explain that this ties into whatever's well, happening with Jupiter. Well, it felt like they were trying to explain something, but they didn't do any explaining. They just showed us space and then we cut, like, two or three times we, like, cut back and forth between Jupiter's life on Earth and space, and we don't really get anything out of it besides Jupiter is a maid and space. Eddie Redmayne wants to capture things. And apparently there's someone that they're hunting that is the key to the universe, something like that. Uh, and then they do, like, some searching of, like, files in, like, a... Like, a, a, like some sort of medical clinic. Yeah, like an, yeah, a, a clinic... And basically, Wolf Channing Tatum has to outrun these mercenaries. Oh, yeah. If, if I may explain for a moment, <laughs> uh, Channing Tatum plays uh, the, the male lead in this, in this movie. And he is genetically modified human with wolf DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has hover skates, uh, a holographic shield, and apparently used to have wings. And yes. if that sounds like a bio from DeviantArt, it absolutely is a bio from DeviantArt. So Captain DeviantArt escapes from the medical clinic being pursued by these, well, not really pursued, a few mercenaries shoot at him and then he gets away and they just watch him get away and they're like, that's all right, we'll find him later. So then we go back to uh, Jupiter Maid and she's talking to fancy lady number three and being like, oh, I, you know... Uh, fancy ladies like, like I'm I'm marrying the richest man in the world. He might he might propose to me tonight. Please tell me what to do. And you're just like 
And, and Jupiter's just sitting there just like, I don't know, maybe give me some of your dresses. It's like, I list two <laughs> dresses for some reason because apparently, like, that's a personality trait Jupiter had that they didn't establish. After we're done with this, someone tell me what Jupiter's personality is and then we'll get back to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, so we'll, we'll get back to that. Jupiter goes to pick out a dress and all of a sudden... Uh, the woman, her name's Catherine, is getting, like, probed by aliens. Yeah, by very, very on the nose, little gray men. Just very little gray men. And as Jupiter is taking a picture of it, I guess something happened? She takes a picture of them but accidentally gets a phone call, and the aliens attack her. But then in a flash, the aliens are gone, and both Jupiter and her friend just don't really... Do they're just like don't remember anything, and then we cut to like the the clinic where we realize that Jupiter is selling her eggs uh, so that she can make money with her cousin Vlad. Yeah, and and they very much add this motivation to it is just like she's selling her eggs so that she can buy money to get the exact telescope that was responsible for her father's death. Maybe not the exact telescope, but that would be like, that would really be something. But <laughs> Hello, this is eBay account KGB35. <laughs> we like to sell you telescope. <laughs> it's like, oh yes, it was it was very cheap. Uh, we got it at a really good price. and uh, We got it for the death of one man. <laughs> Many years ago. Don't ask why we're selling it now. It's, uh, <laughs> also, they're selling it for $3,998, and Jupiter puts in her bid on eBay for just $4,000. <laughs> it's like, it's really nice of them to knock it down $2 so that she could do an even $4,000. Well, anyways, I'm not going to get into the whole, like, you have $4,000. Like, I don't... Well, because she was putting it in because she was going to get the money from selling her eggs, mm-hmm. which I'm not exactly sure about how much money you make from selling your eggs, but I thought it was more than, like, $5,000. You You... From from what I hear, uh, from what I've researched, um, you you can get a lot of money from. Eggs. Are you planning on selling your eggs, Jalen? Look, I read a sci-fi book in which someone was bringing up. Anyways, we're continuing on. So she's at the <laughs> clinic selling her eggs, and she goes into the doctor's office. And uh oh, doctors are actually the evil aliens. So they try. So they're given orders to kill Jupiter. Uh, but Wolf Channing Tatum breaks in, kills all the aliens, grabs her, and escapes. And uh, wouldn't you know it, Wolf Channing Tatum starts getting pursued by these other, like, drop ships. Oh, no, sorry. He's trying to escape out the window, and he talks to Mila Kunis. For 30 seconds, and Mila Kunis is just completely down for it. Yeah, she's also, in love with him. let you guys know, oh, right. I'm keeping a tally on my hand right now for how many times Channing Tatum uh, saves Mila Kunis. It's a very, it's a very common theme. Yeah. It's almost a runner in this movie. We're, we're at one right now. So, anyways, uh, Channing Tatum takes her to one of those tall, famous buildings in Chicago, and basically, uh, he's like, "Hey, I'm an alien. Aliens are real." And she's like, "No, they're not." And he's like, "Yes, they are." And she's like, "Okay, they are." And it's like, "Okay, I, be- I-, I believe you. Uh, here's your gun back. <laughs> have a, have a gun." Uh, and basically, she and him step outside of the window, and they're getting like raised up into a ship because he's like, I was hired to bring you to somebody. But I know that it's you because I am I am a wolf and I can smell <laughs> it in you. And What you will he- hear throughout is that we're going to be backtracking because this is the most convoluted plot in the world. Yeah. Uh, but basically he was hired by somebody to get her so she they go out, they're being raised into the ship, but uh-oh, these other ships 
fire at the ship that they were going to, and they start falling, and Channing Tatum grabs her and starts escaping on these anti-gravity roller skates. Yeah, it's uh, it's very, sh- like, these Shadow the Hedgehog, like, special boots that aren't, fa- it's falling with style. The whole yes. thing about these boots is supposed to be falling with style. And apparently, uh, one wolf, wolf Channing Tatum with a pair of hovering boots fights an entire, like, a squadron of fighter jets. Like these, like they're, like, sharp and, like, can cut through things and fire lasers. And also, they fire lasers at the entirety of the city of Chicago. And they do this because Channing Tatum is, like, evading the pursuit, which means every laser blast hits a building, kills people, moves on, hits another building, kills other people. He gets, like, hides on a truck and, like, kind of skates along with it. Fire at the truck kill them, kill all those people. Swerves by a building. Half the building is just shot at. And we're just supposed to be like, oh, thank God Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis are surviving. Like, it's it's totally fine. It's, we're going we're gonna to deal with it later, but... Moral of the story, collateral damage out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. He des- They destroy all of the ships, and they start driving away in a pickup truck that I don't remember how they get. Uh, they, they do, like, a big fighter jet fight. Like, he somehow in all of this, he steals one of the fighter jets... And is able to just shoot down all the other ones. But then they decide, oh, we're going to get a pickup truck now. Yeah. Um, and we're going to leave the city. And I'm just going to explain to you as much as possible <laughs> about so, how it's like a weird conspiracy theory that the aliens like are secretly rule Earth. And like so, you see the buildings being repaired instantaneously. So basically he explains in this conversation that there's an alien dynasty where there are three siblings that are fighting for power. Uh, their mother died, leaving most of the power to the Eddie Redmayne one. Uh, the second in line is the young, uh, old woman. young old woman, and the third in line is uh, Captain uh, Cheek or Chin, what is it? Fucking Cap- Cap- Captain, Captain Jawline. Yeah, Captain Jawline, or as I also like to call him, um, I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this word. Uh, Captain Zero, uh, Lord of Zero G Orgy, <laughs> Zero G Orgy, because <laughs> at some point in between all this, uh, he's having an orgy in which his assistant walks in and says, "Hi, we've located the girl." And in the middle of his orgy, he's like, wonderful, bring her to me. And basically in this discussion, we find out that Wolf Channing Tatum has been hired by Captain Jawline to bring her to him so that she can not be taken by the Eddie Redmayne one because the Eddie Redmayne one is evil. Uh, yeah. It is very clearly evil. He couldn't have had, he, he could have said no word in this movie. He, he's just, he, you, can you just know that he's evil. And basically, uh, Eddie, not Eddie Redmayne, uh, Wolf Channing Tatum takes uh, Jupiter to this farmhouse where there's a bunch of bees, and Sean Bean walks out. Sorry, Sean Bean, Bean? whose character's name is Stinger, who works on a bee ranch, walks out and is like, I can't believe you're back here to remind me of all the times that you... Whatever it, it immediately goes into macho into a macho man fight in which Sean Bean just straight up wails on Channing Tatum and Channing Tatum just kind of okay with it. Well, because apparently Sean Bean used to be the commander of the army unit that Wolf Channing Tatum used to be part of. Wolf Channing Tatum was the runt of his litter, so he was sold into the army for a loss of profit. But like it turns out, he was he ends up becoming the best soldier for it, and but then he like accidentally rips the throat out of another person, mm-hmm. and he has to be like you know dem- or like demoted, and because Sean Bean was his commander, he takes the fall for it. So both of them have to be kicked out of the military, and Wolf Channing Tatum becomes like a hit or like a hitman or like a. 
whatever for rich people. And this is this is a lot of backstory for what is essentially to for the male lead and and a side character. But um, actually, going back a little, is during their <laughs> fight. We now learn, um, and we learn, we learn now learn that Mila Kunis is royalty. Oh yeah! In the middle of all of this, Mila Kunis starts controlling the bees. It, it's like the yeah, like sudden, and their their whole excuse is just um, bees know the presence of royalty. Bees can sense the presence of royalty, which sure they can. And she controls the bees, and basically that's them saying, "Hey, Mila Kunis, you are queen of the universe." Like legitimately, queen of the universe. Um, there's a whole gobbledygook of just different uh, action fights involving a cornfield. Um, <laughs> so basically, uh, Jupiter gets kidnapped by these uh, these other assassins that are working for uh, the young old, old lady. Young old lady, uh, and Channing Tatum sneaks onto their ship as they kidnap Jupiter, and they fly to young old lady's lair. Uh, where Channing Tatum fights through all these guards, all the while Jupiter is just uh, being introduced to this world in which she's told that she is the reincarnation of these this like dynasty's mother. Yeah, so she's meeting her daughter essentially. Like the whole idea is that there are billions and billions and billions of humans all across the universe. Oh, they're actually like. <laughs> Human beings are actually apparently, like, not born on Earth. They were born on a planet billions of years ago and have become sentient spacefaring people and have expanded their DNA to all sorts of planets for some sort of harvest. Mm-hmm. And the three biggest magnates are Young Old Lady, uh, Evil Redmane, and uh, Captain Sharpjaw? Cap- uh, whatever Captain it is. Jawline. He's too pretty. He's too pretty of a man, and that's the moral of the story. <laughs> So that's the, and so it's weird. They're they're also they're royalty, yet at the same time they're also business magnates. Yet at the same time they're also the government. Yet at the same time there's this side court side thing that's called the Aegis, which, which is, is what Wolf Channing Tatum was which, a part of. Was he? Because I thought he was just part of the military. I I think the Aegis is the military, and they're also the police. Yeah, I mean this is the police. military police. That's um that's. Ooh. That's always a good uh, discussion. So uh, as you can tell, we've, we've watched this movie a few times and can still not fully grasp the actual logic and the universe that this world exists in. Yeah, I don't... Like, the social dynamics are, are can be very confusing uh, with all this, but... but so uh, she... Jupiter strikes up a friendship with, uh, with a young old lady where it's very much like a young actress, but with old age makeup on. She explains that she's the reincarnation of her mother. She's like, come with me. And young old lady takes a bath in which all the old age makeup (laughs) (laughs) rinses rinses away. (laughs) Which, if you didn't know that she was supposed to be playing an old woman, you just assume that her makeup got washed off. There's a moment in the film where, you know, young old lady looks at Mila Kunis, or Jupiter, Mila Jupiter, (laughs) and just says, how old do you think I am? And my immediate response in my head was just uh, about 20-something with stage makeup. Yes, and so... (laughs) uh, Mila Jupiter says, I don't know, mid-40s, and she's like, I'm in my 14th, like, millennia. And she's like, you're 14,000 years old? Technically, I'm 14,004, which I hate that every time any character <laughs> is is old, and they're like, how old am I? Is like, this old and, like, three. It's like, okay, 
be you can be cute about it, whatever. It, it, it's it's that same trope of like people who are like supposed to be insecure about being short. It's like oh, uh, it's like you're five six. Uh, I'm five six, six and, and, and like three quarters um, yes. with a centimeter on the side, like. <laughs> On the side. <laughs> uh, hi, can I have five, three, and three quarters? But uh, can you hold the centimeter? Hold the centimeter. Yes. Or put it on the side, too. Uh, I, I want it on the side just in case I want to put... Anyways. Anyway, she takes she takes a bath. A young old lady takes a bath. Mm-hmm. All the old age makeup comes off, and it's supposed to be like, oh, she's young now. And that's kind of the thing that they realize is that the business that this dynasty works in is the business of, like, de-aging people. Like, giving them time to, like, live. So that's how all of these people are able to live for thousands upon thousands of years. Yeah, they even state that, like, uh, Mila Jupiter 1.0, like, the, the three siblings' mother was, like, nine... It was, like, 96,000 or something. Like what, she's, It was yeah, it was just shy of a billion or something like that, or just shy know. of a million. Yeah, she, I think said, she thinks she said, like, 91st millennia. Yeah, because they say that, oh, the human race is apparent on Earth is apparently only 100,000 years old. Um, because <laughs> the dinosaurs used to live there, and then the the race of beings that come from the Eddie Redmayne people wiped out the entirety of the dinosaurs and then planted human beings on Earth. Not even human beings. They just said, we planted the human genome into some of the native population mm-hmm. of Earth so that they can become humans. After Earth is a thing, right? <laughs> No, we're we're we need time before we get to the movie after Earth. Yeah, um, I can't I can't handle that much Shyamalan. Yeah, I'm gonna I I'll need to like take a step back and just like really breathe if if that ever becomes a project in the future. So we go to um, oh then Channing Tatum fights through all the guards, gets back to to Jupiter and young old lady, and they join the the Aegis the 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 mill the, the space police. Yeah, the space police. And Sean Bean's there. But Sean Bean Show was on Earth. But they picked up Sean Bean on the way over. So he, they get onto the Aegis, and then they get taken to, like, Bureaucracy HQ, mm-hmm. where it's like, all right, now you need to become, you know, queen of the universe. So in what should have been a very funny bit is that they have this robot that leads them through uh, all the departments of <laughs> becoming queen of the universe. Yeah, it's uh, it's... It's a very uh, shoehorned and kind of broad-stroked process of uh, becoming a citizen of like, the original human race. So it's like, all right, you got to go get your uh, immigrant passport. Oh, no, sorry. This is uh, immigration customs, not immigration exchange. So you got to go to, uh, you know, currency exchange, but you got to, like, process your, this way. And it's... A, a sequence and, that takes too many minutes. Oh, and oh, oh! You use blue ink. We actually are supposed to use fligo ink. It's like what's fligo ink? Fligo is actually the color that we invented two billion years ago that humans cannot see. <laughs> and if you guys got even a tiny chuckle out of this, that's more of a laugh than the actual sequence in the movie gets. Because at some point, then the robot just like bribes someone, and he gives her like the passport information, and it's just like, "Congratulations, you're queen of the universe now." You- you and then it. you did it. And now that they've signed all the paperwork, they go like downstairs to Terry Gilliam. If anyone's familiar with Ter- Terry Gilliam, he's part of the original Monty Python crew. He's also a director who's made some of the most like cerebral movies in the world, and he just plays the tattoo artist that gives her her the insignia that proves that she is like queen of the universe. In a very in a process that takes 
way too long. Uh, just a, or not way too long, just a little too long. Um, and after she has become queen of the universe and there's a mild random threat done by Terry Gilliam. Yeah, he says, uh, uh, congratulations, your majesty, and also my condolences. We never address why he says my condolences. I want to assume that it's because she, you know, has to harvest her people at some point. Mm-hmm. But they never fully address why he says my condolences. Yeah. Is it like, it, like it, it could have been anything. It could yeah. have just been like, oh, my condolences for the death of your people. Or my condolences for Jupiter 1.0. Like, I don't know. But basically, they get back to like the main hub and Jupiter and Wolf Channing Tatum start talking to each other. And somehow we're supposed to assume that they're in love now? Yeah, it's... They, they start talking in what we're supposed to assume is flirting. Um, there's... E- like, there was even one previously before it where, you know, Channing Tatum is just... They're doing the very star-crossed lover thing of just, like, I can't be with you because I am a wolf. I have more in common with a dog than I do with with royalty. And Mila Kunis just straight up just goes, I, I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. And... They never, we never really got much of a romance between them, except for like, you know, when they're hovering at some point, their faces are close together. Mm-hmm. And then at some point we're just supposed to be like, I'm in love with dogs. We're, we're just, it's, it's very, uh, it's very of the, uh, of the trope of these are the two prettiest people on screen. Yes. They're going to end up together. And um, so, but then they have another moment together where he's like, calls her your majesty. And she's like, say that again. And he's like, your majesty. And she says. When everyone else calls me your majesty, it feels like they're, you know, saying it because I am a queen. But when you say it, I don't know what she's implying. I don't know. It's but apparently the way that she, he calls her your majesty is like a turn on. I think the Wachowskis watched the, the ending of that Pride and Prejudice movie just one too many times. Just your majesty, your majesty, <laughs> your majesty. But yeah, so that um, happens. And then... They kind of flirt, and then all of a sudden, Sean Bean walks into frame. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, it's good to see you. And he's like, I'm sorry to do this, and pulls out a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and says, it's essentially like, I'm betraying you and giving and giving Princess Jupiter over here uh, to another faction. Um, so basically, Sean Bean helps get her kidnapped by the Captain Jawline's people. They take her to Captain Jawline and imprison Wolf Channing Tatum in a pretty shitty prison. It's yeah. just bars, it's, and he's got like rocket boots. It's he's just it's just a tube. He just has to stand in a tube and just look up at a very intricate bar. Yes. Like, <laughs> but then uh, Captain Jawline takes Jupiter Mila Kunis into a room and it talks. Very like he talks very like normally. They have dinner, and he explains that uh, he wants to uh, propose like a an arrangement so that they can you know make sure that nothing bad happens to other people. He like is like, hey, I know you're my mother, and they kind of do somewhat of a battle of wits yeah, over dinner. They, kind of they they have a bit of a yeah. They do some that battle of wits, and then Captain Jawline takes her to this dark room filled with glowing blue tubes, which we've kind of seen over and over again. Um, yeah. Like, even the assassins were paid in it. It's, like, supposed to be the most expensive uh, resource in yeah. all of the universe. And it's also the same stuff that a young old woman bathed in, and that made her young again. Yeah. And basically, Captain Jawline explains to Jupiter that uh, this stuff is actually what they use to de-age people. It's the, the most 
priceless commodity in the universe is time. And this resource will make you young uh, and give you more time. And we learn um, that the all-important Krabby Patty secret formula of this uh, of this special goo is people. people. It is. It is. It is. I bet you didn't think this was going to be a cannibal storyline. It, it is liquefied people. This is a soilent green philosopher's stone. And basically, <laughs> every tube is made from a hundred people. And Mila Kunis, in like a moment, like of holding the tube, like freaks out, understandably, and drops the tube, which means a hundred people, people died for nothing. <laughs> which, to be fair, half of Chicago died for nothing. <laughs> And with this uh, revelation, Captain Jawline just is very like just looks straight at Mila Kunis and just says, "My mother wanted to stop doing this now," and uh, which I think is how why she got killed in the first place. And I want to continue her work, but I can't do it without her property, which you now own. So, the question I must ask you is, will you marry me? He freaks her out by saying that she murdered a hundred people by dropping that tube. And then decides this is the moment to get married. This is this is it. This is this is the I need to get down on one knee and propose to, genetically speaking, my mom. <laughs> so she's to like needs time to think about it, and he's like, of course. And in the meantime, <laughs> Captain Jawline shoots Wolf Channing Tatum into space and just like lets him die. Yeah, he's just kind of drifting around and like there's this weird I don't know how exactly to describe it. It's like Play-Doh. The Play-Doh becomes a space suit. Yeah. hangs around him. He just Which has to sit we, there for 30 minutes. And we also never explain how the suit becomes... Like, the, the suits were in this room in the first place. And then he puts one on. And he's sh- setting out into space. And the ship flies off and goes into, like, hyperspace. So he can't retrieve it. So he's just sitting out in space, letting his oxygen die out. And he is about to, like, die when the Aegis comes back. The military police, of course, because I don't assume everybody to remember all of these <laughs> names, comes, rescues him, brings him back to life. And in the meantime, Jupiter has agreed to marry Captain Jawline. So in order to, you know, keep Earth safe and mm-hmm. stop harvesting people. Oh, and it was revealed before uh, Captain Jawline shoots Channing Tatum out into the void of space, just tells him, oh, by the way, after we get married, I'm murdering Mila Kunis and taking all of her stuff. Like, yep. Wait, I mean, it's a very typical bad guy plot because he thinks he's going to die. So it's like it's going to feel good to explain it. But <sighs> and he has to explain this to the the military police. Um, and they and then he then, then explains it to. The Sean Bean, who betrayed them earlier in the movie, and then he's just like, all right, I trust you again. And so Sean Bean is now on their side with the military police again. So Mila Kunis is in the process of getting married to Captain Jawline, uh, and which he actually has a pretty normal name. I think it's like uh, like Ferris or something. Which one? The, the Captain Jawline. Captain Jawline? I, I don't know. <laughs> we just kept calling Titus. him Titus. Oh, it's Titus. Titus. <laughs> he has the easiest name, and he, that's the one that we're, like, just making fun of. Uh, but So I'm going to still call Look. him Captain Jawline, because Douglas Booth, who's the actor, has an amazing jawline. He's he, a pretty man. He really does. And, and just, I can't call him anything but Captain Jawline after seeing that zero-G orgy. <laughs> the PG-13 zero-gravity zero orgy. Wait, PG-13 zero-G orgy? 
Yes, that is actually going to be the name of uh, my sci-fi epic. <laughs> so she's about to get married to him. Uh, she goes through the process and is about to sign over herself to being him when Wolf Channing Tatum bursts in the window and he's like, no, and holds a gun <laughs> holds a gun up to Captain Jawline with all of his people around who are not killing Wolf Channing Tatum. And he just says to Jupiter, he was going to kill you after he married you. And she's like, is this true? And it's just like, yeah. And so they leave. Yeah, they leave. Captain Jolling gets no repercussions of this. He openly said uh, that I'm going to kill my mom. I was planning on killing my mom, who also happens to be queen of the universe. This is a confession to attempted murder. And they just went, okay, bye. And so then they get back onto the Aegis ship. And the Aegis ship is heading back to Earth so that, because Mila Kunis is understandably freaked out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just want to go home. So they get back to her home, and whoops, her family's been kidnapped by Eddie Redmayne. By Eddie Redmayne and his dragon henchmen. So they get back on the ship <laughs> and fly all the way to Eddie Redmayne's, like, a lair. It's a, it's a refinery. Well, yeah. It's supposed to be like it's, a refinery of, like, people. And it's which, the biggest refinery in the world, which also just a thing universe. to explain, <laughs> is that Eddie Redmayne is... In the, in the eyes of the bureaucracy of the universe, the owner of Earth. Mm-hmm. He, he owns Earth, and that's like, basically what they're saying is the universe is ruled by these three children, ostensibly. Mm-hmm. And uh, the entire point of the universe is to harvest human beings so it's, that... It's a garden. So that these people can live forever. So... Basically, I, I keep saying basically because we have to just boil this down into basically. And even as we're boiling it down, this already just sounds like a lot to deal with. So also, as you've noticed, we're about three quarters of the way through this movie. And if anyone can tell me character things that have happened, please let me know because I feel like we've just been explaining plot. So we get to Eddie Redmayne's lair. Uh, Jupiter confronts him. Which, if I may add... This is his refinery, which is supposed to be the biggest refinery in the universe. I'll give you three guesses as to what planet that refinery is on. Is it Jupiter? Mm, yes, absolutely is it, it is Jupiter. Jupiter. <laughs> is it the namesake of this whole thing? So, so Jupiter's on Jupiter. <laughs> Jupiter's on Jupiter, which isn't a gaseous planet like we've been told. It's actually a giant metal refinery in which they process human beings to be turned into time. So... Jupiter confronts Eddie Redmayne, and they have this long discussion over what they're going to do. And Eddie Redmayne shows that he's got her family down there, and he's going to harvest her family and make them time. And Jupiter says, okay, no, I'm going to, I'm going to agree to give you all of my shares of Earth and everything that I have to make you basically emperor of the universe. And she's about to do it, and she does the thing that, honestly, I'm very happy that she does because most people don't ever do this when, you know, that thing where people kidnap your family is like, give me everything Mm -hmm. because of course, Eddie Redmayne is going to kill you and your family after you turn everything over. When you do this, it's worth nothing. So Jupiter smartly is like, wait a minute, you're going to kill me and my family after I give you everything. So she decides she's not going to do it. And go and go through with it. And even knowing that her family's going to get killed, she's like, 
I, I know my family wouldn't want this, shatters the tablet. And, and then kicks Eddie Redmayne in the crotch. <laughs> but luckily, that's exactly when Wolf Channing Tatum has somehow zoomed through the entirety <laughs> of Jupiter, crashed his ship into the refinery. It starts just exploding because the... I mean, it makes sense because Jupiter is a bunch of hurricanes. It's a yeah. gaseous planet. So when he crashes through, he like opens the he opens the planet up to being sucked out and destroyed by the hurricanes of Jupiter. Dest- starts destroying the refinery and he like zooms down to Eddie Redmayne's lair. He does this all in the span of like 60 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I unless used- unless Mila Kunis's discussion with Eddie Redmayne actually is longer than we think. Mhm. Uh <laughs> you No, know, see the pauses the pauses that they were cutting away to to go to, to see Chang Tatum going through space, they that was in real time. There was no they were literally just stood there for ten seconds deciding their decision. That's that's what happened yes. there. That's um, so Channing Tatum breaks in, is able to help uh, all of uh, Mila Kunis's family escape, gets them into the Aegis. Uh, Mila Kunis is able to escape from Eddie Redmayne. Gets down there, they make out because of course they have to. Uh, and yeah, and then there's just this weird con- kind of confusing fight where Mila Kunis is like helping her family escape while no, Ed- Channing, Wolf Ch- Channing Tatum saves Mila's family as Mila is beating up Eddie Redmayne and Eddie Redmayne <laughs> even brings up like, yeah, I did kill my mom. And you know what my mom said? Um, like when I was killing her, she said she hated her life. You know, like how, how you know Jupiter how hates her life. And then he's like, mother wanted it this way. Which I'm, I'm sad we haven't been doing the voice this whole time, but it would have gotten old very quickly. It, it really would have also. It probably would have broken the microphone if we had to do the moments where Eddie Redmayne and I and I, I do not exaggerate this at all. He has two volumes in this movie, which is the Quiet Whisper and straight up screaming at the cameraman. And the screaming doesn't happen often, but when it does, it breaks the silence of the whisper, so holy. It's it's crazy. So. While Channing Tatum is fighting off a dragon, because that's what he's doing right now. Yes. <laughs> we just jumped into that, but that's happening. Uh, Mila Kunis is fighting off Eddie Redmayne. He's beating the shit out of her, being like, she wanted me to kill her. And she, uh, Mila Kunis fights back, hits him a bunch, and decides she's not going to kill him. But that's okay. The exploding refinery kills Eddie Redmayne because for us. Because the, the villain ends up killing himself kind of thing. Uh, the, the trope woo, of it. Woo, woo. And uh, then as Mila Kunis, uh, in the destruction of it all, starts falling herself in, swooping from the sky with his pointy ears and his frosted <laughs> tips, is Wolf Channing Tatum to save the day. For the tenth time total, which we haven't covered all the times because it happens too many times. It, it like... If you took a shot every time it happened, uh, you would be drunk by the Yes, you'd be dead by the end. <laughs> by, the, by the death, yeah, you'd be dead I can't by believe the end. I can die just by watching <laughs> Jupiter ascending. So they, uh, they basically she gets on his back, they rocket skate out of Jupiter and they get back into the Aegis's like realm of warping. Oh, also, yeah, the military police is there. They, 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 they found their way onto Jupiter to, like, help them out. But all they did was just stand there and wait for them to come back. Yeah. And then they warped back to Earth. Yep. And you know what? You know what happens after you learn that you're queen of the universe and you could do 
anything you want with the planet. What what would you do, Jalen? Oh, I would do absolutely nothing and continue cleaning toilets. That's right. That's what Jupiter does. That's what you do is you wake up at 445 every morning, but you do it a little bit more grateful and you make breakfast for your family, which is a lesson to learn if she ended up giving up her power to somebody else. But at the end, we realize, no, she's with Wolf Channing Tatum. She's still queen of the universe. universe, And she still is supposed to be able to run everything. Mm -hmm. And we don't really know what she's doing with that power or what anybody's doing now that the entire universal economic, governmental, and like social system has fallen apart. But it's okay. She puts on (laughs) Wolf Channing Tatum's rocket skates and he has his wings back. Oh, yeah, he had wings before this movie, and now oh, he, he has his wings, and now he is a winged wolfman with frosted tips. And so we end with them flying off into the distance, and we see directed by the Wachowskis. And that is Jupiter ascending, and we glossed over it. We did not go into detail of so much because we only have so much time on this podcast. Yeah, if you if you think that was that was complicated and elaborate, that was the most boiled down chicken broth thing we could have given you at that yes. for that movie. <laughs> so, after talking about all that, what's your feelings on Jupiter sending just as a movie, as a construct, as a story? How do you feel about it? Um well, there was a quote that I I remembered reading uh for a review involving this, which is kind of going back to what I was saying about Channing Tatum's body was that this movie feels like every single uh, bad piece of art you've ever seen on the internet and just mashes it mm-hmm. into one sci-fi epic. I say, epic? With, I say with like seven asterisks well, to it. Because it's trying to be an epic because it's doing a bunch of things. It's trying to set up its own mythology, but also play into certain aspects of alien culture that we know on Earth, like little green slash gray men, crop mm-hmm. circles, dragons, dragons and stuff. And like human beings, you know, maybe being placed here at a different time, which is kind of a Scientology thing. Yeah. Uh, and then it's also trying to be a love story. And it's also trying to be like a game of Thrones, like epic tale. It's, um, it's, it was originally trying to be something like some sort of statement involving immigration. That's the very first thing that happens as they talk about Jupiter's an illegal immigrant. What does what does that mean? And she's like, strictly speaking, I'm an alien. Earthly speaking, I'm an illegal alien. Is it, is it just supposed to be the fact that both are the English word for alien? Mm-hmm. Is that it? Because I'm sure when they translated this into Chinese or Portuguese, <laughs> that comparison transfer translated so well. Uh, so <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh. I mean, it's this movie's a mess. I did not like it. It made it. It was so much worse now remember thinking about it uh, i've got a lot of stuff that i think needs to be fixed uh and we're going to talk about this strictly as a movie mm-hmm. and talk about it just as if we can script doctor the story that is at hand we can't do like a whole page one rewrite mm-hmm. just like what we have how do we fix it jalen what's the first thing that you're gonna fix i well i would definitely cut down on how many times channing tatum saves mila kunis and I think the easiest way to fix that is have Mila Kunis save Channing Tatum. Yes. Have in, in fact have <clears throat> Mila Kunis make any decisions in this movie. So this is into the this bleeds into the first thing that I want to do is I want to take out almost all of the space stuff in Act One. Mm-hmm. I think we just stick with Jupiter for the entire first part. I also want to take out her part with her parents, but I do see what happens. So if the studio is going to mandate that we keep the part with her parents, that's fine. So. 
we just stick with Jupiter. We just see her life on Earth as a maid, see that she's not satisfied with her life, see that she wants something more for herself, and more than just, like, she tries on dresses of her rich clients. Yeah, it's... Like, see that she, see her, like, either go on dates with people because this partially is about her love life. They, they bring it up at least four times in the movie. But we never actually see what it's like to be in love with her. So, like, see her either in a relationship or see her try to be in one and just realize that she is either, you know, scared to do it or just can't do it or just has not found the right person or something. Which 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 would work a lot better for, for the film because she essentially holds the fate of the Earth in her hands, but we never see her actually being a, an Earthling. No, a we never being. see her be a person. We see her be a maid, and we don't see her, like, have more of a personality other than I hate my life, but I don't know what your life is beyond what your work is. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's supposed to be, like, she works all the time and she has no time for anything else ever. But I, I, I'm familiar with maids. I, I have seen, <laughs> I have seen a maid or two in my life. They have lives. Like a lot of times, work is really hard and it's hard to do that. She, she had the time to go schedule an appointment to sell her eggs. Yeah, I'm sure she's got a life. So she she go she go she googles on eBay. Uh, that's that's she a googles on eBay. She goes on eBay and looks at telescopes, particularly stuff that. You know, that means, like, she likes his space. Yeah. Or, like, at the very least, she loves her father. And, and that would be great to see moments of her acknowledging where she came from, even if she doesn't know who her father is. Mm-hmm. Like, all that we know is that she goes on eBay to buy a telescope. But what does her father mean to her? Does it is it because she's never known him? Or is it because she feels a connection with him? Or yeah, why? They, yeah, it's like they there's a common, like, the whole idea about a lot of films is show, don't tell. But a lot of this is that, like, they're showing – if there feels like there's not enough tell of the right things in this movie. They yes. just keep showing us everything that she has but then doesn't well, they're not explain sh- why it's important. They're not, showing, they're not showing it in context of what matters. There's sh- and it's not also even showing. They're showing <laughs> – it's a visual of the telescope with a price next to it that says eBay. So we know what she's doing there. Yeah. But what I want to do is I want to do more stuff like that. Take out all the space stuff where Eddie Redmayne and his siblings like talk on a planet uh, and take away that and take away all the parts where Eddie Redmayne is plotting to go capture her. And almost even we can take away the part where there's the assassins and Channing Tatum and they're hunting her. Take out all that. Replace that with more character stuff. Have her have a conversation with her mother be like, hey, what was dad like? Or something like that. Have her talk about, or even go, you know, do a montage of dates. Like, you know, to show that she doesn't like people. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, throw in more than one gender so we can have, you know, some dynamic work some, in this in this film. Some representation of outside ideas and, 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 and the diversity and, that and is also, the human race. And to show that she's different. Like, she's trying to be like I'm I'm not like other girls. Yeah. And like it's it's very easy for them to just label it's like, well, like she's an immigrant and yeah. therefore she's different than everybody, but we don't see that. We don't really but get to experience that. Also shows that she's capable of holding her own and like doing more stuff for herself, even if it's hard for her, even if she hates her life, like show that she is struggling and she's trying. And then when we get to the part where she's like, okay, I've resorted to selling my eggs. I don't want to deal with you know, men are trying to start a family anymore. I want to do this, make the money, buy my telescope. And she goes to the doctor, and that's like the first time that we see the aliens. Yeah. Or we could even see the aliens when she goes to talk to her rich friend and be like, what's happening? And we get, that's our first taste of it. Yeah. And then we, we, like, there's, we don't have to deal with all this extra 
geopolitical or interstellar political yeah. stuff that is happening in the first 15 minutes of the movie. No, we can do all that later. We can show the aliens and then get confused what's happening and then be like, oh, I want to see more. Yeah. So when she goes to the doctor and then the doctors have been infiltrated by the aliens, we think that's the end for her. And then in bust. Ch- Wolf Chaining Tatum, because in the first act, it's not a deus ex machina. That's your, just your inciting incident. Yeah. So he comes in, saves her, and he kind of, like, tries to explain to her what's happening, but they're getting chased. So we do that, and we cut down in half that Chicago chase scene. Yeah. And also... Was, it's, it's excessively long. And cut either try and cut down on the uh, collateral damage, or at least have... Uh, Mila Kunis acknowledge, hey, a lot of people just died, and that was for me. Like, let that weigh on her soul. Yeah. it. it there has to be consequences to these actions, especially with the damage. Or, like, if you really wanted to flesh out Channing Tatum's character, you could make him try to avoid people. Like, yes. areas of large population, he immediately is just like, I have to, like, not be in the most crowded place. Because if that was his thing where he, like, ripped someone's throat out, and he, like, hates himself for it maybe he really tries to avoid it and when he knows it's unavoidable he like you know says a prayer or whatever kind of like you know religion there might be in space Mm -hmm. or does something to acknowledge that because it's there's so much happening that just a single three second moment would add so much character to all of these people yeah it's the characters need to make choices and they make choices that are personal to them and basically, once we've done that, and Wolf Channing Tatum has like rescued her, and then she turns around and she sees that the entirety of Chicago is being rebuilt, and they're just wiping the memories of all the people in Chicago, then she's like, "Like holy shit, what's happening?" And we've cut down on the first forty minutes by half. Yeah, like and a, we've a, a we've added chunk of it's gone. We've added more character. So much running time is gone that we can put more in Act Two, where we can see. I guess we'll allow the bees to tell them that she's an emperor of the universe? I would honestly just get, I would either get rid of that entirely or like plant that. Like if bees are supposed to tell you that like you're a sign of royalty, like Mila Jupiter has been living here her entire <laughs> life. I'm, like, have, I'm sure she's seen a bee at least once. Yeah. She, she's got to see, she's like maybe she has a relationship with bees. Maybe that's the thing that makes her different. If she just always just notices that like these little animals, these little creatures just seem to like her. Like, very Disney princess. Just yes. like, we could bleep out that word, right? I don't know if we're you, allowed to say did. that word. What, Disney? <laughs> yeah, Disney. <laughs> I was wondering, what curses have you said so far? Also, I don't think we've even cursed at all in this entire thing. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you can say whatever you want at this podcast. Woo! But, uh. <laughs> So, yeah. No, I agree that part of the beginning where we establish her character is to foreshadow a little bit. Where, like, when she, like... There's, like, a beehive, and she's about to get stung. She, like, holds her hand out, and just the bees are, like, in front of her hand or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, the edit that I would really love to do for Act 2 is because a lot of Act 2 is super slugged because we go from one child to the other. Yes. To the other. And it's all exposition. Yeah. There's, like, no character, no anything. Yeah. Like, the closest I get to a personality amongst these siblings that is enjoyable is young old lady because she just seems super optimistic about everything and like very like aloof about the situation and uh, like to the point where it's like she might be faking it like the first time I watched this I thought like maybe she killed her mom Mm -hmm. and like instead of Eddie Redmayne maybe Eddie Redmayne is still evil but like he didn't kill his mom that would have been I thought that I thought that was where it was going to but no Eddie Redmayne was the bad guy I mean I do think that also goes a little bit to the acting 
at least for her, because the acting is not great throughout this thing, mm-hmm. but they have good actors in certain parts. Like uh, that girl, Tuppence Middleton, was the Middleton or Middleditch, something like that. But she was later used in the Wachowskis series Sense8, mm-hmm. and they've used her in other things too. And she's great. She's always like yeah, kind of the I... optimistic, like bright eyes, like looking forward to something else. And that works for this character, where she loves being this youthful yet old kind of like wise soul and she doesn't really think about the consequences of having harvested thousands of people to keep her alive yeah and i i honestly would change it like i uh, if i could doctor that in any way is that i would just put the two the first two siblings that we see on the same planet yes and just have mila kunis dealing with the fact that you know these are technically her kids and she's dealing with the dynamics of it and we can have young old lady just being this like weirdly like fresh and optimistic person who doesn't get the consequences of her actions mm-hmm. but she genuinely cares about her mom and then we have this or and we can have the dude who's conniving and plans on killing his mom anyway um and i think well, it could lead up really well to just any red main kidnapping well, and if they're like in the same on the same planet or in the same area then they could almost have like a struggle over who gets to have her mm-hmm. so that if we do keep the wedding plot in there like it, then she chooses and like the you know young old lady almost could help Eddie Redmayne, like, kidnap her. And that's how he, like, tricks her into being, like, uh, she's like, oh, I did the thing that I hated doing is I, I sided with my brother. And then he's like, ah, oh, fuck you. And, like, could either kill her or, like, do something else to screw her over. Yeah, like, the, these are your, these are supposed to be Mila Kunis's kids, and they have no arcs whatsoever. Well, the weird thing about her them being her kids is I still don't understand. So the world that they're trying to explain is that there's only so much genetic makeup in the world and that the woman who was like the ruler of the entire universe had a certain DNA code and Mila Kunis does in fact have the exact matching DNA code. So it's not a religious thing where she's in fact reincarnated. She just, out of the billions of people, even trillions of whatever, infinite number of people across the universe, she is the one that had the genetic code that is exactly the same as their mother's. Mm-hmm. And it... Sure. I think the whole thing they were trying to do with that is this supposed to be like, you know, this person that who's, who's dead, our mom, is you. This is you. This this was you if you lived 91,000 years and, you know, and gained power and influence uh. and had three kids. These are, like, I think the whole idea was supposed to be, these are your kids and Mila Kunis is supposed to look at them and be like, wow... They're shits. They're complete <laughs> shits. I used. I probably was a terrible mother. So I think we're kind of getting into the point where we're talking about so much plot and stuff. We can move out of a script doctoring mode and say the thing that I think we wanted to say this whole time is that if you're going to do this story, it should be a series. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of <laughs> alluding to uh, another movie that came out uh, earlier, later, last year, late last year. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the movie, but it also has Eddie Redmayne in it. You can say um, it, just go for it. It's, uh, it's the, the Grimes of, of, of Grindelwald. Um. <laughs> As in Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, which <laughs> is actually a movie we were going to do on this podcast, but we've had to shuffle our schedule around and it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, which, that movie, like, I did not like it, and, and, and it's in the same situation of just, like, there's a lot of good ideas that were on here, but yeah. they weren't given the, the, the space to breathe. Well, I remember we saw the movie together. I remember talking about it afterwards, and it was just, like, it, it was the almost the exact same thing where it was just exposition of the world mm-hmm. rather than showing any kind of character. And the ideas were there, 
but it was so many ideas that either you have to cut down on all the ideas you're putting into this movie or just bite the bullet and either expand it into more movies or just make it a series. Yeah, like give 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 the characters some time to be the characters in these worlds. I don't need like we're going to learn about this world whether we like it or not. Yeah, you don't care about the world unless you've got the characters like uh, I mean that what I said is like and it's a, it's something that I said we'll never repeat but I'm putting it onto the broadcast mm-hmm. so I think Jupiter Ascending would make a really great anime series <laughs> because if there's something that anime does do really well is balance a world building aspect and character motivations even if sometimes the character motivations are a little thinly drawn and one dimensional anime has a really does a really good job of making one dimensional ideas and thoughts like feel strong and like Effortful and like, what well, I want to see these characters achieve these goals. Yeah, I would. I would love to see that. Plus, like with this way, for one thing, the budget would would not have to be this big. And second of all, you could be over a number of hours. Yeah, you could be a lot more creative with this. And Channing Tatum as a wolf would not be as weird looking, and it would not be as creepy looking as I as you see it no. in this movie. And I think you could even have the first act be like the, you know the first half of the episode, and then the midpoint is Channing Tatum coming in and saving her. And then we could do that, and then, like, you know, episodes later, we could flash back to seeing Wolf Channing Tatum actually going through the steps of protecting her this whole time that she's never noticed, seeing the backstory of these villains, and see, but see them all through Jupiter's eyes. Whenever she's the one that's learning something about the world, that's when the audience learns something else about the world, because I feel like we lost so much stuff by seeing the Eddie Redmayne character and all the siblings, like, discuss things. And then we got halfway there and then have someone else explain it in dialogue later, like Wolf, Wolf uh, Channing Tatum or Sean Bean. Yeah. Instead, it should have just been she, like, just sees something. And even if it's a mystery to us, like, because she's the one that's learning it, we figure it out through her. And once she learns what's happening, then we flash back to fill in gaps. So we learn everything we need to 90% of the way through dialogue, and then we fill in those gaps and we feel more of a connection through it, through whatever they show later on. Yeah. Like, oh man, can you imagine? This is like an intergalactic full metal alchemist. Yes. I would, I would absolutely be down I mean, this to watch it. <laughs> 100% feels like a, 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 a intergalactic full metal alchemist. Not entirely, but they do have well, the Philosopher's Stone. They, they do have the gift of life, and they have... Uh, you know, the protagonist who doesn't really know what they're doing, but is, like, trying to do their best. They've got, the, you know, the police, mm-hmm. who is also kind of, you know, the the dogs of the military. Yeah. We and have the part dog chimera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but, but at least with Jupiter Ascending, it's sexy and hot and not incredibly, like, heart-wrenching in the other. <laughs> but it also feels like this could be an ongoing series that could go for an indeterminate amount of time, or they could end it at the point where they wanted. And just have it be, you know, 13 to 20-something episodes. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like you'd be able to flesh out these characters and understand them better if you turned it into something. Because at least that's the thing that they did with uh, Sensate, their TV show. Yeah. Which I liked a lot, but it did go into a direction I wasn't happy with because it really got bogged down in plot and you almost needed more episodes to figure it out. Yeah. I I personally, like... as as trashy as Sensei was, like it was the kind of trashy where it's like they're they're trying things. They're well, they're trying things, and a lot of them actually were succeeding. The thing is with Sensei, 
all the trash and all like the plot was rooted in character. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't have to take time away to be like, all right, Saeed from Lost, explain to us what's <laughs> happening in the world. Uh, and then, you know, scary Mr. Whispers has to say something. But it would, all the all the story was rooted in character. So even when like plot happened, you still got to see you know uh, the guy in Africa like running his bus company and kicking ass and like using the powers of the woman from South Korea so that he could run his bus company and like fight off these people. But like, all it all served what the characters needed, yeah. even if it was melodramatic and like silly at times. It was it was about them. Yeah, and you, it's and to put it. Even beautifully, it's like you do see these characters change and make decisions because of these changes and grow. Yes, which is not something Mila Kunis did, even no. at the ending like, of being Queen of the Universe. Like you, you get the idea that there was supposed to be a change, but because I didn't know what her character was from the start, I don't know what the change was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything else with the movie that you would like to change, or like that you would like to doctor or fix? That I would like to doctor or fix. Um, well kind of building on the if you had the other two siblings and then any remaining kidnapped that could have made the climax probably like a bigger uh, like a bigger more important thing it could have been all three of Mila Kunis's kids fighting each other yeah well in that way that they could focus on fighting each other so you've got the the you know dynasty bureaucracy government whatever they it all just starts to eat itself in its own thematic way they kill each other while Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum are working on destroying the refinery Mm -hmm. so that no one ever has to be harvested ever again yeah and And it makes it personal both on a micro and macro scale because Mila Kunis is on a personal scale destroying this so her family and other families aren't hurt but on the big scale this is just a giant sibling rivalry well then all she and then at the end of that after she destroyed it she could be like you know, realize that these are, you know, even if she doesn't feel like they're her kids, she has responsibility towards them mm-hmm. and like wants them to come back to be like, we can rebuild this, you know, we can do all this. We can do better than this. And we she don't just, have to kill people to live longer. But then she watches the three of them just kill each other and they just like succumb to J- Jupiter descending. <laughs> they descend into Jupiter, into the storms of Jupiter, swept away by her amazing power. Which would honestly even set up a better character for her to be like, in a bittersweet way, she's like, all right, I'm going to rebuild the universe in a way where nobody has to die and we can allocate resources and figure things out without having to do that because, you know, life and death are a part of life and death. Mm-hmm. And just to keep myself humble, maybe I will pretend to be a maid while I'm on it. <laughs> exactly. I don't need to be, but I'm doing it because it because, reminds me I'm a human and being. And she saw what power did to her kids, mm-hmm. which means that she doesn't want to be like that anymore. No, I think that's a wonderful change. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think we've, we've, all, we've dissected this body, figured out what happened and almost reformed it into a better body. We have, uh, we have reconstructed it through the law of equivalent exchange. So I want to talk to you about the Wachowskis. What is your kind of relationship with them as directors or, or writers or creators or whatever? And how that relates to your feeling about this movie? Um, well, for the longest time. For the longest time, I wasn't really sure how I was supposed to feel about the Wachowskis because they do a lot of stuff that I'm like I think is really interesting and really um, fun to explore. Mm-hmm. But a lot of fails, and I think Jupiter Sending really got it, really hit it, really hit it home for me. And like why? Because this is an immigrant story, and as someone who is the child of immigrants, who is an immigrant himself, they're very good at, at like building worlds and ideas, and they're amazing at the broad strokes of of ideas that aren't necessarily pertaining to them. Hmm. But, you know, in the fine details, 
they're just they're kind of lacking in it. Yeah. Which is could be something that could be fixed with more research and more nuance to it. But I think at the end of the day, like they they, they just need to get better. <laughs> I mean, they need to slow down and they need to like take a moment to they're well meaning. They're very well meaning, I can tell by the way they're they use their walk. They're well- <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I, I, uh, I get I know I get what you mean, because they I think they they have a really great sense of world building. They have really great like big ideas, and I think they even have like good ideas on metaphors, mm-hmm. like with the idea of it being an immigrant story, and letting kind of the the idea of time being the commodity that we all would kill for. Those are great ideas, and then you get into the nitty gritty of how they tell this story, and it doesn't really work. Then you get into the dialogue that they write, and it doesn't really work, and that they just. They just need some. They need to build this world, and then bring in a group screenwriters who are better at the details. And if it's not part of the world that they're building, then the Wachowskis come and be like, "Hey, could you maybe include this dragon person that we really liked?" Yeah, and like, do that. Bring bring in people who who know firsthand about this experience um, to if uh, if to not write it, but to at least like you know help you with it. Yes. Like, I think at the bare minimum, have someone help you with it. At the very best you can do, give it, make your world, get get the credit for that, and then let someone who knows this stuff work. Yeah, you guys get the story by credit, Mm -hmm. and then let someone else get the screenplay credit, and you guys can still direct it. I'm still a little iffy on their style. Like, I get they did a bunch of cool stuff with The Matrix, Mm -hmm. and like, all that, and honestly, Speed Racer is a, is an un, is an unsung gem. Yeah, uh, it's, as weird and crazy as it is, I I love Speed Racer, <laughs> and so and stylistically, they can be really good, but they just need it to be filtered through something else and someone to be like, hey, uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't be cutting so much. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should, <laughs> maybe we should let the cinematography speak for itself instead of you know ADRing a line in that's like, wait, so that means. That I'm the queen and I get to tell... Yes. Yes. That's yes, what it means. That's exactly just, what it means. <laughs> just let, let the story speak for itself. Yeah. Maybe we should let our characters do personal choices. <laughs> no, I, I totally get that. Uh, uh, any other like, things you want to discuss in the world of either the, the film itself or the, film, the world around it? Like, what it means? Um, well, if the Wachowskis ever do hear this, I want them to know that, like, I get what they were coming from with this mm-hmm. movie. It didn't hit, but I get it. Yeah, it's um, the same thing that I talked about with Sarah when we did Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. where Tim Burton, there's just so much there. And with the Wachowskis, similarly, there's so much there that they just need a certain filter and they need to get back to what they were doing before that made them as beloved directors in the industry. Yeah. I, I, I think the big thing is you just got to open up to other people and other opinions about all of this and, and let yourself in and... Just to kind of give this on a little note um, involving the whole immigrant story of Jupiter ascending, I, I had, I was pretty sure, but after the movie, just double checked, I, I went on their Wikipedia page, and they were both born in Chicago. And it, they were not born in a foreign country, and it really showed. <laughs> yeah. They, they have a perspective of being outsiders trying to like fit into a certain society, mm-hmm. 
but it's not the same story. Yeah. And I'm sure they did some amount of research to be like, this is what happened. You know, I mean, yeah. they, cause we, they, got, we, they got the boat part of it, right? Like they've, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't, I think they got the mechanics of it. They just didn't get the emotion and the, the side down. And again, as someone who was born in America, I mean, I was born in Florida, so it's its own thing. Uh, <laughs> every week, people in this podcast are going to learn a new thing about me. Florida is just the chaotic, neutral, Mad Max zone of yes. America. <laughs> But no, they felt like there was the mechanics of the idea, but it wasn't the heart of the story. And mm-hmm. I think they needed, again, to have the world building, figure out the idea, then let someone who understands put it together. Yeah. You've built the machine, and the machine looks wonderful. Honestly, if I could, like... You don't have to run it. If I could pick screenwriters for them, I have uh, two ideas. Uh, one being... Uh, or I guess three ideas, but they would go together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus and McFeely, the writers of most of the, a lot of the MCU movies, the ones who know how to world build and put yeah. things together. And then, uh, oh, I always forget this guy's name. Uh, he did short term 12 in the glass castle. I think his name's like, uh, Dustin, uh, Dustin Hoffman? Creed. Nope. That's not it. <laughs> Dustin. It's like Dustin Cretton Creed, uh, have him do, uh, a pass at it and then do uh, like Chloe Zhao have a pass at it and she's a director who did one of my favorite movies last year the writer she's mm-hmm. actually doing the Eternals movie for Marvel oh, and wow. she's she's from China but she does stories about Native Americans typically and so with that and but she lives in America like in you know regular society so I think having all those things where you've got the people who know how to take a world building element turn it into a story have this other guy who knows the intimacy of character and kind of knows, hey, this is what outsiders feel like in this kind of way, and then have someone Chloe's out who's lived through it and like knows how to like make an organic story come out of that. Mm-hmm. Have all have have those three teams go together and form a story. Yeah, because as the time as much time as that would that would be in order to like properly doctor this script into the masterpiece it could have been. At the end of the day, if you want to make something big and new and diverse and wonderful, you need big, new, diverse, <laughs> wonderful people in it. Yes. <laughs> you, you need the people that didn't make Cloud Atlas. <laughs> and oh, on, man. <laughs> on that note, uh, if there's nothing else, uh, Jalen, thank you so much for sticking with me on this whole this journey through, through Jupiter ascending. Next, we'll see uh, Saturn sidestepping. Oh boy. Um, so I don't. I don't want to. I don't think I want to live with you anymore. <laughs> and that's fair. Uh, so thank you all for listening as well. Please like and subscribe on all the things. We've got the iTunes. Uh, follow us on Facebook, on Instagram. If you're going to go on Twitter, uh, well, for Facebook and Instagram, it's Doctor Script. Uh, on uh, Twitter, it's Dr Script Podcast. Uh, go on iTunes, leave us five stars if you want. You can leave less stars, but I really would appreciate five stars. Leave a review. Uh, we'll be back next week with, I don't know, Taylor has the schedule, <laughs> but I'm sure it'll be something great. Uh, any final words, Jalen? Um, yeah. Um, I am also, I also do have a bit of a social media presence. You can find me on Twitter as Jaloon underscore Balloon. Um, you can also find my other name, Eight Foot Vertical Leap. <laughs> wonderful please follow all of those things uh and uh, we will see you all next week all right let's pop in the cloud atlas dvd oh no